sun was really, really low and shining through the window. And I became aware that I started to get a very bad headache. And at the time, I just put it down to the sun. So I got up and closed the curtains. I remember absolutely nothing whatsoever from then onwards, other than waking up with my parents and two paramedics stood over me and not being able to talk or move. I was in hospital and I was put on a geriatric ward at the age of 30. That was uh, very off-putting at the time. Because the hospital I was at had no scanner to carry out a brain scan, I was actually transferred to another hospital. Bear in mind at this point, I could not really walk very well. I was initially paralysed on my left side, but worked very well with physios, etc. to regain that mobility. I was put in a taxi in nothing more than my pyjamas, a robe and my slippers, handed my hospital notes and sent by taxi to a hospital about 50 miles away. The first year was a lot of effort on my part to regain my mobility and to try regain a semblance of life. It was a challenge that put an awful lot of pressures on us as a family and my marriage, my relationship with my wife. Like many people who are carers for stroke survivors, they're given no information whatsoever as to what to expect from their loved one who, who is coming home after, after a stroke. Literally a year to the day I went back to work and it was as if I had just been on two weeks holiday. It was I walked back to my desk and, and there was literally all a, a year's worth of, of work for me for me to pick up. There was no phase return or anything like that than there would more than likely be these days and I was literally just thrown straight back into it and unsurprisingly just sunk under the pressure and couldn't cope with it. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear and welcome to Stroke Stories. It's the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In the UK, there are currently 1.2 million stroke survivors. Around two-thirds of those would have left hospital with some kind of disability. The data suggests the average age for someone having a stroke is decreasing with over a third of strokes in adults between 40 and 69. In this episode, we hear from Gary Booth, who lives near Leeds and suffered a stroke in 1993 at the age of 30. At the time, I had a very good career working in central government in finance. I was married with a young family, three young children, all under the age of seven. I had a very good lifestyle. I'd always been active, always played sport, played a lot of football to a decent standard, played badminton, squash, golf, those sorts of things. Never smoked at all in my life. Never really drunk in excess or maybe have the odd drink. So basically had what many would consider a, a good healthy lifestyle. It was a hemorrhagic stroke that happened completely out of the blue. As I say, there were no underlying health conditions. I was living a health healthy lifestyle. Although in the week up to the actual stroke itself, I had had a very busy week travelling around all, all over the country and was under quite a bit of stress with that. It was a Saturday and I was at home with, with my children. My wife had gone away for the weekend and I'd arranged for my parents to come over and have, have my youngest son so good to just have a little bit of time resting and relaxing by myself. I was, like with many fathers with young to- toddler children, he was, he'd been born in the April and this will have been mid-November, so he was still only about seven months old and was in that crawling phase, looking about, we were just like many fathers and young children at the time, just lacking about on our lounge floor, playing with toys and one thing or another. And the sun was really, really, it was one of those autumnal days and the sun was really, really low and shining through the window. And I became aware that I started to get a very bad headache and at the time, I just put it down to the sun. So I got up and closed the curtains. I remember absolutely nothing whatsoever from then onwards, other than waking up with my parents and two paramedics stood over me and not being able to talk or move. Obviously, what had happened is I had suffered a stroke. And thankfully, to this day, I don't know how long I was there unconscious when it happened or anything like that at all. But thankfully, my parents arrived. The door was open. They came in, obviously saw me 
completely out on the floor and have the foresight to phone for an ambulance straight away. Had I been there any longer than I'm sure the impact of the stroke for me could have been a downside serious than it actually is now. I do consider myself one of the fortunate ones that I have made a very, very good physical recovery. In many ways, this was the, very much the dark ages of stroke awareness and stroke recovery. Going back to 1993, this is the days before the prevalence of things such as the internet and mobile phones. So availability and access to information was very, very sparse indeed. I was in hospital and I was put on a geriatric ward at the age of 30. That was uh, very off, off-putting at the time. Because the hospital I was at had no scanner to carry out a brain scan, I was actually transferred to another hospital. Bear in mind at this point, I could not really walk very well. I was initially paralysed on my left side, but worked very well with physios, etc., to regain that mobility. I was put in a taxi in nothing more than my pyjamas, a robe and my slippers, handed my hospital notes and sent by taxi to a hospital about 50 miles away. When I arrived there, they had no idea who I was or why I was there. So it was a very, very different time in terms of stroke recovery and, and getting through that. Gary worked hard at his physical recovery. The first year was a lot of effort on my part to regain my mobility and to try regain a semblance of life. It was a challenge that put an awful lot of pressures on us as a family and my marriage, my relationship with my wife. Like many people who are carers for stroke survivors, they're given no information whatsoever as to what to expect from their loved one who, who is coming home after after a stroke. She didn't understand, and I, I get on very well with my, my ex-wife, so I don't blame her for that whatsoever. Ultimately... Our marriage fell apart under the pressure of her effectively having another child to look after, which was myself, as well as our three children. The pressures it was putting on us financially, because again, as I say, it was a very, very different time. There wasn't readily access to or readily access to information. I'm from a family who were very unfamiliar with things such as benefits, and I was given no information as to quite what I could claim or what support I could get as a stroke survivor. So I actually claimed and was given nothing following my, my release from hospital. I was essentially just living on the part pay that I was receiving from my government employer at the time. Ultimately, it led to the breakdown of my marriage. I lost my career. I tried to go back to work literally a year to the day because after a year, my department at the time, you've got a year on on this, this partial pay. After a year, we won't pay you anything. So literally a year to the day, I went back to work. And it was as if I had just been on two weeks holiday. It was I walked back to my desk and, and there was literally all a, a year's worth of, of work for me, for me to pick up. There was no phase return or anything like that than the more than likely be these days. And I was literally just thrown straight back into it. And unsurprisingly, just sunk under the pressure and couldn't cope with it. So I lost my career. Because I'd lost my, my source of income and my marriage, I lost my home and I lost my family. And I found myself literally having to start my life again from scratch with nothing. Having to fend financially for myself and also still having the desire to support my family, my children and, and my ex-wife, uh, I wanted to try to get back into work. Because I had come from a very high-powered role and I knew I couldn't do anything like that going forward, I was looking for something that was probably less taxing on me mentally and physically to cope with. Because I had this very good work background, work history and good qualifications, people would not employ me in less taxing roles because they perceived that not seeing the stroke that I was open about having had whenever I was applying for any roles, that because I had these qualifications and this experience, that this was just a stepping stone and I wouldn't necessarily stay in this job, which was far from the truth. People who did give me an opportunity, and if I couldn't cope with that as a stroke survivor because of the neurological impact of my stroke, I was judged as lazy, stupid and disinterested in work, which was far from the truth. For example, you wouldn't call a fish stupid just because it can't climb a tree. 
It was just that I wasn't in the right environment to be able to show the skills and abilities that I had. So even to this day, uh, some 30 years later, it's been virtually impossible for me to find what would be classed as normal, acceptable work. And that's partly because of how society as a whole um, perceives and judges, not only strokes, but anybody with a neurological condition that you can't see. You are judged to be okay, physically okay, and therefore there's an expectation within society that you can perform certain tasks. If in my case, as a stroke survivor, I can't do them, then far from making allowances for them, I'm just, it's far easier for society to judge me as lazy, stupid, or disinterested. Coming up, Gary talks about his not-for-profit organisation, Checkered Flag Motorsport. I have a very good working relationship with many of the racing drivers and many of the racing teams around the UK. And I can give people just something different that hopefully gives them a different perspective, yet allows to get a group of people together to talk about their experiences, to talk about the challenges they've faced, to talk about how they've overcome them, and and to become part of of a different community where we can all help each other and understand more about stroke and other brain injuries and other neurological conditions. And setting yourself realistic recovery goals. Recovery is different things for different people. For some people, it could be the ability to to walk and talk again. It could be the ability to partake in a particular sport that they used to do. It could be to be able to sit down and write a book. Therefore, I think you need to quantify in your own mind what recovery is. Let's hear how a recent operation has affected Gary's progress. I went through a phase where I think I was coping very well. The big thing for me was physically, I probably looked 99% okay. Somebody seeing me for the first time wouldn't necessarily say there's a stroke survivor, which is great for me because I worked very, very hard to regain, having previously, as I said, been very much into my sport, sporting activities, to regain all my physical abilities. I couldn't necessarily participate in the same sports to the degree that I was previously, but I've made a very good physical recovery. The thing for me was about the fatigue. And for me, it's always been about the fatigue and the neurological impact of a stroke. I think it's very easy for us to forget that a stroke is a brain injury, purely and simply because it manifests itself and shows itself in terms of loss of physical ability. And therefore, it's very, very easy to focus on those the physical side of a stroke, whereas, in fact, the regaining of those physical abilities is just the first sign that your brain is learning to adapt following the brain injury. The big a- aspect of my stroke recovery over the 30 years has been the fatigue and living with that. I was doing very, very, well, I won't say I was doing very well. I was coping with that probably on a day-to-day basis, even though there were times when you put on, a bit like mental health, you put on your Superman mask and you go out into the world and you put on a smiley face for everybody and everybody thinks, oh, there's happy, smiley Gary's, everything's okay in his world. They wouldn't necessarily see me doing a day's work, going home, literally having no energy left whatsoever to even cook myself a proper meal and go straight to bed after a day's work and just get up the next morning existing rather than living a life people weren't seeing that that side of it but i was coping re- reasonably okay until probably about 2018 it was diagnosed that i needed three lots of spinal surgery unrelated to my stroke related to something else i had those surgeries in january of 2020 and january of 2021 following those that my symptoms of fatigue and some other stroke related symptoms came back with a vengeance have literally seen me being bedbound since then And I've spoken with various people. I had um, the first neurological assessment I have had done in 30 years, despite having had a stroke. And I was told that because stroke is a brain injury that can be affected by trauma, my body and my brain, having suffered the trauma of three lots of spinal surgery in literally just over the course of a year, has again triggered things like um, the fatigue within my body that's been caused by my brain being affected again. So it's been, been a very, very difficult time. 
Gary wanted to help others who were suffering with underlying neurological conditions. In 2018, as I say, when I was diagnosed that I, that I needed this spinal surgery, I was very much at a low physically. I couldn't stand, I couldn't lie down, I couldn't sit without being in constant pain because of the, the issues. I had um, various cysts on my spine in my, in, my, in my back. I was literally climbing the walls with boredom and pain. And I started talking to all sorts of people about stroke survival, being a stroke survivor. And what I found out generally was that treating it as a brain injury and a neurological condition rather than just a physical condition. There are an awful lot of similarities with people suffering or having conditions that were also neurological based. People such as people on the ASD, the autism spectrum, other people with brain injuries, people with ME and CFS, which is chronic fatigue syndrome, and PTSD, particularly in amputees. And it was through a group of amputees that I started talking an awful lot and found there was an awful lot of commonality between my thoughts as a stroke survivor in getting over the physical aspects of a stroke and their thoughts as a, an amputee having lost a limb. I'd always had a desire to do some fundraising for stroke charities, but because of my own need to, to try and drive myself forward and earn financially to support myself and my family, I'd never really got round to it. Yet here, because I had time on my hands, I, I, it was something that I readdressed and looked at again and decided that I wanted to increase awareness around not only stroke, but all these other neurological conditions and many more that I've, that I've just touched on. Speaking with people and having no previous involvement, I purely by chance fell upon that motorsport provided an opportunity to engage people, to provide them with an adrenaline rush, to provide them with a sense of community, to provide them with a structure, to provide them with an outlet, to become more involved and to see positivity in their life. Society is too quick to tell you, no, you can't do something just because of that. I wanted to show people that that wasn't the only option, that there was another option out there, that you didn't just have to accept no and be done with it. Motorsport is also the only international sport that doesn't have a subcategory for disabled people. So people should be able to compete with others on an equal footing. I would just take all that and package it and say, use it to increase awareness and also to provide opportunities for rehabilitation, to give people an adrenaline rush, to show that they could participate. So I set up Checker Flag Motorsport as a not-for-profit organisation, purely and simply, as I say, to increase awareness and to support people for different sources of rehabilitation that may be out of the ordinary. I run workshops, I run motorsport events. We've done track days where we've had single-leg amputees racing motor racing cars around the UK's fastest race circuit. I've held workshops at Porsche Experience Centre at Silverstone. I have a good working relationship with Red Bull Formula One. Um, we're doing a couple of events there later on in the year. I have a very good working relationship with many of the racing drivers and many of the racing teams around the UK. And I can give people just something different that hopefully gives them a different perspective, yet allows to get a group of people together to talk about their experiences to talk about the challenges they've faced, to talk about how they've overcome them and, and to become part of a, of a different community where we can all help each other and understand more about stroke and other brain injuries and other neurological conditions. And here's Gary's advice to stroke survivors. I think the advice I would give to either a stroke survivor or to a, a carer or relative of, of a stroke survivor would be very much be the same. And that is quantifying recovery. People talk a lot and I see an awful lot and I'm asked an awful lot of times about Will I ever fully recover? How long will it take me to recover? And it's frustrating because it depends upon what you class as recovery. If recovery is being exactly the same person you were before your stroke, then no, you'll never fully recover. You've had a brain injury that's killed brain cells, brain cells that are not going to replace themselves miraculously. Therefore, you are going to be a different person. 
Um, so no, you'll never be exactly the same person you were before. Recovery is different things for different people. For some people, it could be the ability to, to walk and talk again. It could be the ability to partake in a particular sport that they used to do. It could be to be able to sit down and write a book. Therefore, I think you need to quantify in your own mind what recovery is. And also then not to judge yourself or your recovery against anybody else. Only judge your recovery against the targets that you've set for yourself. But it's very difficult as a, as a stroke survivor. And I found, as I say, myself with, with my wife and a 12-year relationship that I've just come out of. Because you don't understand what's happening to you in many ways with a stroke, you can't understand it yourself, therefore you can't explain it to anybody else. Gary has experienced difficulties with recovery due to a recent back surgery, but he remains dedicated to helping others with brain injuries and neurological conditions through his charity, Checkered Flag Motorsport. Thank you for supporting us at Stroke Stories. Please do comment on the episodes you hear and rate them if you can to help us spread the word. And if you know or you are a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please do contact via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. <laughs>